I'm glad you're all here. This is great. We're excited to worship the King together collectively. Um, let's just say a word of prayer to him before we get started. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for rising the sun. Uh, thank you for giving us breath in our lungs. Thanks for bringing us all together as your children here that we can celebrate who you are and who you've made us into. Um, man, we are just desperate for you to move in this place, Jesus. So would you have your way here? Uh, yeah, would you just move in our hearts as you would, as you see fit, and ready us for what you would do? We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last. Free at last. He has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me, who the sun sets free, who oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am, in my Father's house, there's a
Good morning. We're so happy that you're here this morning. My name is Kelly Weishuttle, and my husband and I are part of the World Missions team here at Rimrock. And um, we just want to welcome you. If it's your first Sunday here, or if you've just been coming for a while, but you'd like to kind of get to know us a little bit better, we have a gift for you back at the welcome table. Um, and there's a visitor's card in the seat in front of you. You can fill that out and put it in the offering plate if you'd like to. Um, there's a first step class coming up. If you're new to Rimrock and you'd like to learn a little bit more, December 4th they're going to have a first step class, and it's in the gathering place, which is in classroom right, right beyond the foyer there. And we have information in the bulletin about how to sign up. And today I'm really happy to talk to you about the Perspectives class. It's the very first thing on the front page of your bulletin. And my husband and I did the, the, the Perspectives class last January through April, and that's when they're offering it again. So I don't want to take too much time, but I do want to tell you what it is and who might want to do it and why you might want to do it. So the Perspectives class kind of gives an big picture overview about God's heart for the nations and what people have done in the past and what people are doing now. So it's broken into four parts. There's the biblical, the historical, the cultural, and the strategic, right? And so it's kind of four units. We're going to meet on Monday nights at Love Inc. And what's really cool about this is it's not just rim rockers. There are people coming from lots of different churches around uh, Rapid City, so you get to meet with believers from around the city, which is really cool. I love that it's happening at Love, Inc. this time. It's Monday nights from 6 to 9. There are different levels. You can take it at the reader level, which is, you know, you read, you come to, for the class. There's the certificate level, a little bit more work. You answer some questions, and then you can take it for college credit. So you can decide what level is right for you. But the big question is why you might want to do it. And I've actually taken the course twice, about 30 years apart. <laughs> so you can imagine my perspective was different taking it last year than it was when I took it in college. Um, but I think that the biblical portion is so amazing because you get to see that God had a heart and a plan for all to be saved from the very beginning. And it really opened my eyes again to see from Genesis God's heart for the whole world, every individual. Then the historical, it's pretty inspiring to see some of the things that the early missionaries did. The cultural is so fun. And then the strategic, boy, it might really make you think you might not even agree with everything that the missions, missiologists are thinking about doing. So if you like to grapple with ideas, this might be a good class for you. So who is it for? I would say teens up to 100. Um, it's, a little, it's a little challenging reading for children. So I would say teens up. And if you're someone who wants to learn 
you like to think about ideas, or for some reason right now you're just thinking, hmm, maybe God wants me to do that. Well, how do you sign up? There's going to be some uh, flyers in the back, but really the information's in your bulletin. It's all online. They've done such a nice job organizing everything. So you can sign up online at perspectives.org. You can explore a little bit, and you can even come to the first class for free. There is a there is a fee for taking the course, but you can come and check out the first course for free if you'd like to, and it starts in January and runs through April. If you have any questions, there are a number of us here at Rimrock who've taken it, so I bet you can, you can talk with lots of us about that. All right, so right now, I would like to invite Silas and Sadie Leitenberg and Chris Doyle up for a special presentation. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Chris Doyle, Silas and Sadie. Uh, about, well, in the middle of, at the very beginning of October, actually, PG and Lily Vargas visited our church from Indian Evangelical Team. And after they presented here in the main church, they went down to the kids' zone, and PG gave an inspiring talk to the kids. And one of the things that he said was that they distribute Bibles in India to the kids and that it costs 50 cents for a Bible. So Silas, do you want to tell the church what happened right after that? What's that? Sadie, do you want to tell them what happened? A few weeks ago, Mr. Vargas came to our class from IET. He told us many stories about the missions in India. He told us that they needed Bibles in the mission in India. Each Bible would cost only two dollars. The class made an idea that we should do a fundraiser for Bibles. We set a goal for $250. Instead, we made $330.75, no, seven, 37 cents. Well, good job to both of you and to your classmates. Thank you very much on behalf of IET. It's really my honor to be able to accept that from you, okay? Thank you so much. Today, uh I'm going to invite a bunch of the kids that sing with me on Wednesday night to come on up here. We're going to sing a song for these guys. Yep. No, Silas and Sadie, you guys come up. I know you know this song. If you were here on Christmas Eve, we sang this same song. Well, you guys got to get up and sing. 
The name of the song is Jesus Strong and Kind, and we've been singing it for about a year, and it really uh, really spoke to me. Uh, I heard it, I, I think Hannah Katz sang it one time, and she told the crowd when she sang the song uh, that Jill, Jill Green sings it every night to Ethan and to Ben, or Ethan and to their family. So uh, I remember hearing that song and I just broke down with all kinds of emotions about it because I think it, it pretty much uh, goes through the whole gospel message. So don't be afraid to uh, feel your emotions if you're feeling it today. So uh, and we're going to sing it twice all the way through. The first time these guys and I will sing for you. The second time I invite you to sing with us. But before we start, just briefly about this song. If today you're feeling hungry or thirsty and you don't feel like you're satisfied with your relationship with God, come to him. Maybe today, maybe today you're feeling weak, maybe in your mind, your body, your spirit. It's the, you know, it's the Christmas season or it's the holiday season. Maybe you're feeling weak. We invite you to come to him. Maybe, maybe today you, you're full of fear about the future. Maybe that's you. What God is saying in this song is he will be your strength. Come to him. Maybe you're feeling completely lost and separated from God. You're here in church, but you're feeling separated from God. He will come to you. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come. For the Lord is 
invite you to sing along with us. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy, I should come to him. Jesus said if I strength, I should come to him. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus. Jesus, strong and kind. Jesus said that if showed me on that cross, he will come to me. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong and kind. Jesus strong.
How are you today? Oh, good. I'm glad. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, hopefully, uh, the week's been full of uh, good things, friends and family, and celebrating, and uh, the reminder to, uh, to be thankful. Uh, we, uh, we're here this morning. We're finishing this uh, series through the book of Mark, and uh, I want to uh, got to thinking about uh, what, uh, what sort of things do we uh, get invited to? Think about the, the best thing you've ever been invited to, right? Maybe, uh, what, we get invitations to what? Like uh, birthday parties? Maybe more when we're younger, but today's family worship. Uh, so let me, uh, let me greet all of our kids who are uh, in service with us this morning, really, really great to have you. Thank you for the kids that came up and sang. Silas and Sadie, thank you for your courage to come and actually speak on stage. That is nerve-wracking. Um, I would say 75% of the people in the room would not do what you did up here. So excellent job. Thank you for your courage. But think about it. Now, kids, think about the things that you get invited to. Birthday parties. We get invited to birthday parties. How come we don't do, well, maybe I just don't hang out with fun people. I can't remember the last time I got invited to a birthday party. How many, okay, let's just show of hands. How many of you as adults have gotten invited to a birthday party in recent memory? See, I'm just boring. That's it. I mean, I love you. I'm just boring, and so I noticed that none of you have invited me to your birthday parties, and that's okay. That's all right. I'm not taking it personally. 
Uh, what else do we get invited to? Uh, weddings, right? I got invited to a great wedding. They guaranteed that I was going to be there this summer because they, they had me come and say stuff on the stage. So that was really good. Um, I don't have to be fun, but I am willing to do public speaking. So that's a party trick. Um, what else do we get invited to? Uh, baby showers. That's, that's a... Guys don't get invited to baby showers very often. But, but it, that's fun. Uh, invited to baby showers. How about uh, anybody in here ever gotten um, invited to another family's vacation? Anybody? Anybody? S- me too. But it was way back when I was fun, right? It was way back. Sixth grade, I got invited to go with another family on vacation. It was really, it was really fun. Uh, I didn't get to go to his birthday party, but I did get to go on vacation. That was good. Uh, we have uh, some uh, realtors here, so let me not overlook the invitation to an open house, right? Or even if you're not selling your house, sometimes you invite people to come wander around and look at your stuff. It's really odd. I've never actually invited people to do that, technically. Um, Invitations. It's interesting to think about. Um, Anyone ever gotten an invitation um, to one of those really special timeshare dinners? Anybody? (laughs) Yes. You see? I am loved. I get those quite often, right? So if we're thinking about invitations, and, and as I was talking, I was thinking about this and talking with Angie about it uh, this week, um, she reminded me, and it, it, it's on my list, one of the best invitations that our family ever got was the invitation to come live in Bob and Betty Barkley's driveway. It was fabulous. I needed a place to park a really big camper through the winter, and they said, Come live in my, in my parking lot, in my driveway, right? It was, it, was, uh, it was a blessing, but the invitation was so cool. Things that we get invited to, and as I'm finishing the book of Mark, and we're looking at these uh, last few verses, I realized that this gospel ends with an invitation, it ends with an invitation. And so I'm, I'm, I'm stirring your thinking. Um, and I, um, as I'm thinking about the, the things that we typically get invited to, um, doesn't it seem like most of the time they are valuable things and they are costly things? I mean, think about that. Sometimes there's a venue that is rented. Sometimes a DJ is hired. Uh, sometimes uh, there's cake. And sometimes really nice cake, birthday or wedding. I mean, these are like, there's some thought that goes into the event. Maybe a meal is provided. And in lots of those cases, the host incurs a cost, but the guests get invited for free. And I want us to kind of be thinking about and mulling over this idea of the invitation. But before we get to the invitation, I want to consider the cost. If you've got your Bibles, look in Mark chapter 15. Uh, We're going to start in verse 33. And you can follow along with me. We'll put it on the screen. I'm using the New International Version this week. 
Verse 33 says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, and let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and uh, Salome. And in Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So as we consider this idea of an invitation, first we want to look at um, the cost. And in order to really uh, look at the cost, we want to start with uh, these last hours that Jesus is alive. And we pick up the story um, with Jesus on the cross. In verse 34, it says that at three, in, uh, at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. And he quotes here Psalm 22, 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in quoting the first verse of that, Jesus is, is drawing attention to this uh, psalm, and he's saying, I am the fulfillment of this psalm, not only in its agony, but also in its victory. So if you've got, flip over, keep your finger right there in, in uh, Luke 15, but flip to uh, uh, Psalm 22. Let's look at uh, this psalm uh, together. Uh, some of these verses uh, obviously, when David was writing it, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, these are uh, prophetic words that are, that are uh, written and sung by David. And, and the Jewish community would have known these psalms. And so they would have known what Jesus was saying. And it would have brought to mind this whole message. Look in Psalm 22, uh, verses 1 and 2 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from, uh, from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Skip down to verse 11. He says, do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Going on down to verse 16. David writes, dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. That sound familiar? 
And here's Jesus drawing attention to this psalm, and he is proclaiming in his last hours, I am the fulfillment of what has been written. Certainly in those verses, we hear the, ang- the agony and the anguish. But then verse 22 Look in verse 22. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cries for help. And then the psalm ends, verse 29, all the riches of the earth will, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. Listen to this now. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it. Do you realize when Jesus cries out to the Father, why have you forsaken me? I want you to think about this. That was the first time in all of eternity that Jesus had been without the Father. That was the first time that Jesus had ever been alone. How do we know that? John in his gospel, John chapter one, verse one, says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was present with God in the Trinity. Jesus was present with the Father forever. He does not have a beginning. And so for all of eternity, all of eternity, Jesus has been in fellowship with the Father and with the Spirit. And for the first time on the cross, the Father withdraws his fellowship. Sometimes I hear uh, uh, parents, maybe new parents, um, say, uh, I've heard parents make this comment. They've said, you know, he's three years old and we've never, ever left him. If, if that's you, don't raise your hand. It's okay. And I'm not really making fun of you, but I do want to encourage you to go on a date. It's okay. But we had that experience. Uh, the first vacation that Ange and I ever took was when Kara, our daughter, was four, and Blake was four months old. And so we finally said, okay, enough is enough. We need to, like, we need some adult time. Right? We went on vacation. We went to San Diego, 
Uh, we were living in Arizona at the time. We, we went to San Diego, and it was just, it was gorgeous, and we went to SeaWorld, and we just, we walked around, and we looked at all the stuff, and it was so cool, and all Ants talked about was Kara. <laughs> right? Oh, Kara would love this. Oh, that's so cute. Kara would love. Oh, Kara would like to cuddle with that. Ooh, wouldn't Kara just love this? I'm like, she's not here. It's a. It's okay. Look, I'm right here. <laughs> but this was the first time. This was the first time that Jesus had ever been alone. And so one of the costs that Jesus incurred in order to make the invitation to us, one of the costs that Jesus incurred was loneliness for the first time ever. And in this holiday season, some of you really identify with that emotion, right? our traditions and the places that we go and the, the things that we tend to do stir up memories of people who are dear to us but not near to us anymore. And I want you to know that in this season when those emotions are flooding into you that Jesus identifies with that. Jesus knows and he loves you deeply. He knows what you're going through. One commentator said, Jesus not only endured the withdrawal of the Father's fellowship, but also the actual outpouring of the Father's wrath upon him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus experienced this loneliness for the very first time, but another cost was Jesus uh, receiving the wrath for all of mankind's sin as it was poured out on him. This is the cup that Jesus was praying about in the garden just the chapter before, in chapter 14. Verse 36, and Jesus is praying and he says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. It's this cup of wrath that Jesus was wrestling with. It was this, the realization that Jesus was going to be separated from the Father, but not just separated, but also then to receive the full weight of God's just wrath for sin, but not his own. Not his own sin, our sin. And so we hear about this, uh, this cup of wrath is described several other places in Scripture as well. Psalm chapter 75 says, It is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. 
Isaiah 51 says, Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, you who have drained it to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger. And the, the, the cup of wrath is spoken of again in the book of Revelation. In chapter 14, it says, They too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. And Jesus received all of that. And as Jesus neared the end of his life, he spoke the confirming words that his mission on earth was complete. In our text today, verse 37, Mark writes, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. But John gives us some detail about what he cried in a loud voice. Look, uh, John 19.30, I have it on the screen, says, when Jesus had received the drink, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In Greek, that phrase, it is finished, is actually one word. And the, the literal uh, translation of it, the literal meaning of it is paid in full. One word, paid in full. Have, have you ever experienced having something paid in full? We can talk about a little something that's still like really cool to receive, right? But um, have you ever had the experience of uh, eating dinner at a restaurant and when it came time to pay the bill, realizing uh, or being told that somebody else had picked up the, the tab? Like that's kind of a little thing, but isn't it kind of cool? You're like, oh, paid in full. Thank you very much. But that's receiving a gift. Let's think about paid in full. The way Jesus is talking about it, it's, I worked hard for this, paid in full. This was three years of living in a body, right? Paid in full. This was three years of obedience to the Father and relying on the Father and resisting temptation, paid in full. This is being tried and found guilty in a rigged court, paid in full. This is being beaten and whipped and insulted and mocked and carrying my own cross, paid in full. This is hanging on a cross for hours, humiliated, rejected, paid in full. And now he comes to the end of it and he says, paid in full. Think about some of those things that maybe you've gotten a chance to, to see, right? That last statement comes, last car payment, paid in full. Last mortgage payment, paid in full. Right? Last doctor bill, paid in full. Last credit card bill, I hope. Paid in full, baby. Right? 
In 2011, we got the opportunity. It was our, uh, I never even heard of such a thing um, until three years before that. Never even, I didn't even know that paying off your house was a thing. I didn't even know that. I mean, some of you guys are like, it's a thing? Honey, did you know it was a thing? I didn't know it was a thing. It was. Anyway, we set a goal, worked really hard. Kids got nothing for Christmas or birthdays. They're scarred. Gives them something to talk to their therapist about. It's awesome. No, I mean, we were all in, right? But I mean, here's the thing. We get that last statement, and I didn't realize this. I'd never done it before. I didn't realize this. You don't just mail in your last one, at least not in our case. Our bank was like, "Mm, you have to bring it in. And so we had to go to some little dinky thing. We had to hand in the last, here it is. So we were like, dude, we're doing it right. So we got a cake and balloons, made a sign. We're like, woohoo, let's go. We march into this little bitty thing. There's like two people behind the counter. There's barely a lobby because nobody goes there except to pay off their house. And how many visitors do they get? Not that many. So we walk in and we're like, hey, you, you two back. Get, 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 get. We brought cupcakes. Get, get out there. And we bring them out. I don't know. They thought we were holding the place up. They're like, you know, there's no cash here. I know, I know. I brought you money. It's okay. We give them the last payment. We're like, eat a cupcake. Eat, eat a cupcake. We are celebrating. We worked really hard, right? And so that statement, it is finished, man. That is a, that is a statement full of whew, accomplishment, right? Celebration. Relief. Man. We celebrate it, paid in, full, done, done. Jesus had done it, and it was costly. Deep loneliness, made to be guilty for us, endured the shame of the cross, rejected, misunderstood, It was costly. But he did it so that he'd have something to invite us to. Let's pick up the story. Mark 15, let's let's pick up the reading in verse 42. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. And so as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, which means he was a, a Pharisee, and part of the Sanhedrin, um, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, which means he was a follower of, of Christ. He loved Jesus. He had come to that point. Went, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Summoning a centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. And then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. 
very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out, fled, the tomb, fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Finally, in our story, we get to the empty tomb. Finally, we get to the invitation. And here we find these women, these faithful women who had stayed at the cross long after others had left, have now arrived at the earliest possible moment to prepare Jesus' body for burial. The Sabbath would have ended Saturday at sundown, but it was too dark to do the work that needed to be done. So the very next morning, as soon as the sun is just starting to rise, they head to the tomb. And instead of a body, they find an empty tomb and a herald with an invitation. Look at what he says in verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Ah, the invitation. And here's the thing. Jesus' invitation is full of grace. You see who he invites? He invites his disciples, the very people, his closest friends, his, the very people who had walked away, the very people who deserted him in his most critical moment of need. And yet he extends the invitation to them specifically. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Why do you think he singled out Peter? Peter had kind of singled himself out, hadn't he, earlier? Do you remember the exchange? Jesus is once again telling his disciples, I'm going, to, I'm going into Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be put to death. And Peter says... Uh-uh, I'm going to fight for you. I mean, if you die, I die. I'm with you. And Jesus says, Peter, I love your heart, dude. But before the end of the day, you're going to deny me three times. And certainly, Peter did. And now Jesus is extending an invitation to his disciples and to Peter specifically. Jesus' invitation is full of grace. But look, Jesus' invitation also reveals himself to us. Look at what the messenger says. He, he, Jesus, is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Jesus is saying, come on. I want to show myself to you. Come on. I want to reveal myself to you. I, wanna, I want you to be with me. 
And the last thing Jesus' invitation includes keeping his promise. Look at how the messenger ends it. There you will see him just as he told you. All through scripture we see, all through scripture we see Jesus, God, making promises, making promises, making promises. And one of the things that we talk with our kids downstairs about a lot, God always, 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 what? Keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. And Jesus' invitation includes that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the cost once and for all. But he continues to invite us to join him. The last things I want you to consider, his grace is sufficient to cover your sin. In Romans it says, in Romans it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a a sentence about God's grace. His grace is sufficient to cover your sin, and so today he invites you. Jesus wants to make himself known to you so you can see him clearly, and so today he invites you. Jesus will keep every promise, the promise to make you whole, the promise to make you new, and the promise to fill you with life. And he invites you. He invites you. And I think the only question left for us or the question to consider today is what will you do with the invitation? We're in this season of parties and open houses and fun things and we send invitations out to people and we've kind of been thinking this whole time about being the one receiving the invitation but I want you to turn it around and when you're the one giving an invitation when you're the one inviting people to come be close to you what what gets stirred up when people say yes Jesus is inviting you. And scripture says that when when one person accepts the invitation, there is a party in heaven. There was a party when the prodigal son came home. What will you do with the invitation? And you may be invited for the very first time. Maybe you've never responded to Christ. And if you haven't, today's the day to say yes to the invitation. But some of us have been invited and we've gone to the party and then we've kind of wandered outside. Maybe we've started thinking too much. I don't think they really want me at the party. I don't know. My attitude's not really. The invitation still stands. 
Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder, God, that what you have invited us into is costly. But that Jesus made the decision to pay the cost. And now he has the right to extend the invitation to us to respond to his grace, to know him fully, and to be able to receive the benefit of his promises. God, would you just stir with your Holy Spirit those who are living outside. God, that they would choose to turn their face towards you and respond to the invitation. We love you.